Hello, my name is David Kirkdorfer, and welcome to this podcast on The Superuser, the organization's biggest internal threat, which is part of CA's Identity and Access Management podcast series. Now, in today's podcast, we will try to answer the following questions. What is the superuser? What are the security risks that the superuser creates? And what steps can organizations take to limit superuser type threats? Now, I'm here with Michael Liu, who is the product marketing manager in the Identity and Access Management Division of CA, and with a focus on access management technologies. And Mike will be helping us understand some of the critical issues involved with the superuser account. Okay, so let's start the uh, conversation. Mike, let me let me ask first. What exactly is the superuser? Well, David, the superuser is an all-powerful administrative account which is provided for by native server operating systems. On Windows, this is commonly known as the administrator account, and on Unix and Linux systems, you often hear this referred to as root. Now, one of the analogies I like to use when describing the superuser is to think about your PC. Let's say you had a problem with your Windows laptop at work. Uh, you would call up your IT person, and they would come in and they would log in not using your credentials, but they would log in as the administrator. Um, as the administrator, they would be able to perform pretty much any operation that they need to on your computer, and then they would fix it. And I'm thankful for when they do fix it. Absolutely. I think most of us are. Um, but when you think about your relationship with them, you have a fairly trusted relationship with that IT administrator, so you don't think they're going to do anything malicious. Um, but technically, because they're logged in as the administrator, there's also nothing stopping them from accessing pretty much any data on your computer. It could be you know, sensitive sales information if you are a VP of sales, or it could be sensitive financial data if you were a CFO or the controller. Granted, in this situation, there's some element of limited risk because you're, you're not really storing sensitive data on your computer or perhaps not storing that, and oftentimes you're standing there watching them fix that. But extrapolate that scenario to servers where we have servers housing extensive stores of sensitive data, and you're, these, all these servers are touched by many different administrators, all operating somewhat behind the scenes. You lose track of that accountability, and certainly the stakes are much higher. This is kind of the situation that we face with the superuser. Okay, so then how is the superuser account used in practice? Well, think about that company that's employing multiple people that keep their servers up and running. You'll have different kinds of administrators. For example, you'll have a systems administrator who performs fairly general tasks, such as maintaining server availability. You'll have the database administrator who maintains data integrity. And perhaps, or hopefully, you'll have a security administrator or a security auditor. Now, each of these roles, each requires a certain distinct set of permissions to perform their job. But what you'll often find in an, org in an organization is that people in different roles will commonly log in as the superuser. Because as the superuser, they know they'll have any permission they might need to perform their job function and then some. While I can certainly understand why that's convenient for business operations, it does, in fact, expose the organization to a lot of potential security risks. Okay, so then why is the superuser issue relevant today and not in the past? Well, actually, the superuser issue has been relevant for quite some time now. Uh, I think for over the past decade or even beyond, organizations have recognized that the native operating system on both mainframe and distributed systems doesn't provide sufficient access controls. Um, I would have to say that probably back in 2002 with the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, that really heightened everybody's awareness of this issue, as well as a lot of the general identity and access management issues. Uh, today, when you look around, you'll see that there are new regulations that have popped up, such as the uh, payment card industry standard. 
Now, the PCI standard was set forth for retailers to help protect uh, consumer credit card information. Or you'll have international regulations following in the footsteps of SOX, such as the Japanese version, or things like the Gramm-Leach-Bliley Act, which uh, has global impl implications for the financial sector. All of these continue to drive awareness about super user protection. How can an organization today protect against the super user account? What we see is many organizations are using external access control solutions, which essentially provide an additional layer of protection to manage who has access to what server-based resources. In general, I like to think about two sides of the story in terms of protecting against the super user. The first is proactively limiting each user to only the permissions that they need to effectively perform their job function. This is commonly referred to as segregation of duties. The second element of this, of protecting against a super user, is effectively proving who has actually done what. One of the big dangers of a shared super user account is the anonymity it affords to those who are using it or sharing it. So, for example, if you had dozens of people who are all logging into the same servers using common super user account credentials, and you have audit trails tracing violations back to the super user account, it really doesn't do the organization much good. A really good access control solution will trace actions back to the original user ID, not just to the super user account. So what you want to be able to do is to know exactly who's done what, when, and where. Exactly. Okay, all right. So then I assume that CA has a solution to meet this need. Yeah, as a matter of fact, CA has a very effective solution called eTrust Access Control, which does exactly this. In short, eTrust Access Control enforces who's able to access what, and then provides granular audit trails to prove this appropriate access. Okay, right. So then, what are some of the non-obvious considerations that a company should uh, make as they're protecting against the super user account? Uh, that's a good question because a lot of the things that I've been talking about so far are looking at a single server in isolation, but there are a series of considerations that come to mind when you think about your overall server security. Um, in this case, I think I'll focus on two of them. First, when you think about most solutions that manage access rights, they'll do this through a series of security policies. Um, when you have organizations with, say, dozens or even hundreds or thousands of servers, as you can imagine, there'll be quite a large number of these security policies over time. So when you're looking for a solution, I recommend looking for one that allows you to efficiently manage these policies centrally across all of your servers and even reuse common policies across similar servers. Some of the other things that you want to look for are the ability to group common policies together for easier deployment or even running reports that will show policy deviation over time, which is something that does happen. Secondly, I think most server infrastructures include a heter heterogeneous mix of different kinds of operating systems, everything from Windows to uh, Unix and Linux systems to even virtualized operating systems. So looking at a solution, you should choose one that can accommodate this breadth of platform support. I've found that in today's networked environment, it's particularly applicable that your overall security infrastructure is only as strong as the weakest link. The end goal is to really bring the collective level of security up to a consistent and elevated level. Okay. Well, this has been very helpful. Um, kind of as a concluding thought, do you have any final considerations you think that uh, we should be thinking of when we talk about access control? Sure, David. I think um, the, the main thing to remember is that the super user issue is as relevant today as it ever was or ever has been. Um, old compliance regulations are still very much in effect, and new ones are being continuously created. From a best practices standpoint, uh, what I've seen is the first step is to identify those mission-critical servers that store your PCI data or your HIPAA or other sensitive data and really protect those first. One of the nice things about host access control solutions is that they don't have to be an all-or-nothing implementation. 
Start with your most vulnerable servers and then expand yourself outward. Uh, finally, I would consider how does your access control solution fit in with the rest of your identity and access management deployment? Um, it's important to leverage the synergies between any solutions you might have, whether that's you know, using your identity management provisioning system to uh, provision your access control administrators or using an, your access audit data to run reports that identify potential future security threats. Well, the best news about all of this is that once you've recognized the super user threat, there are certainly actions you can take to protect against it. Okay, great. Well, thank you, Mike. You're welcome. I think you've helped us understand quite a bit more about the super user and how to address super user security risks. Um, clearly, there's more to this topic than we can cover in a single podcast. Uh, Mike, are there other places you suggest people go for detailed information? Absolutely. I think uh, if folks go to www.ca.com slash IAM, there's actually a number of materials there that I think you'll find useful. One in particular is called a uh, white paper called Host Access Management, The Business Imperatives. As well, you'll find there's some white papers on some of the, the compliance regulations that I mentioned, like PCI as well as Sarbanes-Oxley. And then there's a number of materials about eTrust access control. Great. Well, I hope this podcast has been helpful to you, and we look forward to speaking to you, the listener, on another podcast on identity and access management. Thank you. Thank you.